Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Friday, April 16th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Stocks hit further highs and Treasuries rallied yesterday on more rosy data about the U.S. economy, and Dubai is hoping to lead the way into a future full of driverless cars. Plus, Joe Biden has imposed tough new sanctions on Russia, rattling the country's currency, the ruble. So far, it hasn't been too painful. It's just going to be super important to watch now what the tone is between the two countries and whether these sanctions are effectively going to get easier or tougher over time. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Stock indices around the world hit new highs on Thursday after more good news about the U.S. economy came out. U.S. Treasuries also rallied, and that's a reversal of the trend we've seen for most of the year. The yield on the benchmark 10-year Treasury slid to 1.53%. Here's our U.S. Capital Markets correspondent, Colby Smith. So yesterday we got a really stellar retail sales report and also further evidence that the labor market is improving um, with jobless claims. And typically when we've had really strong economic data, we've had treasuries sell off pretty sharply because investors are kind of looking ahead to higher growth and inflation and you know people look for, for riskier assets. But this time around, we saw pretty much the polar opposite response when it comes to, to U.S. government debt in particular. And investors were kind of scratching their heads to figure out why that was the case. Some people pointed to, you know, some of the concerning news on the vaccines front with the J&J pause and further kind of geopolitical tensions, perhaps with uh, Russia in the U.S. as helping create a bid for treasuries in a way. And at the same time, just given how far we've come in Treasury yield since the start of the year, people had been also anticipating that we might see somewhat of a pullback. Colby Smith is our U.S. capital markets correspondent. Those tensions between Washington and Moscow Colby was talking about, well, U.S. President Joe Biden yesterday imposed sweeping sanctions against Russia. They include a ban on U.S. financial institutions from trading in newly issued Russian state bonds and other forms of Russian government debt. A little bit afterward, the ruble dropped about 2%. When I asked the FT's Kitty Martin about the impact of these sanctions, she said it could have been worse. Now, the issue is, for a lot of investors, the bark is worse than the bite, right? So one of the things that means that this set of sanctions hasn't been more damaging than it already has been to Russian markets is that it is quite limited in the sense that it only deals with bonds when they first hit the market. Afterwards, once they're in the secondary market and they can be traded freely, there's no barrier to U.S. institutions being involved in them. There's nothing to stop U.S. investors from holding on to Russian state bonds that they already own. So it could have been harsher and, you know, maybe they will be in future, but for now, it could have been more damaging. So would it be fair to call the ruble drop an overreaction or is that a little bit too strong? I think that's probably too strong. You know, the, it's not just these uh, restrictions against buying the bonds that's within this package of sanctions from the US. You know, there's also some some diplomats have been expelled and there are sanctions against certain individuals and, and organizations. And as I say, it is a signaling thing. It, it just tells the market that there is a different relationship between these, these countries now. It's just going to be super important to watch now what the tone is between the two countries, whether these, you know, assuming these talks that have previously been raised as a possibility, whether they still go ahead. 
and you know whether these sanctions are effectively going to get easier or tougher over time. Um, it, it could genuinely go either way, but there is still a lot of you know firepower that the US has to really make this hit Russia harder for now with the oil price where it is you know russia's got pretty good internal finances it's difficult to see this really hurting them financially okay so i know this is a bit of an abrupt change of topics but it would be remiss of me if i didn't ask you the ft's markets editor about the currency event of the week the listing of the cryptocurrency exchange coinbase on the nasdaq on wednesday this was spectacularly successful with a $76 billion market cap on the first day of trading. What do you make of that? Yes, yeah, so it is a it's a massive moment for the cryptocurrency market and and for Coinbase. Now when Coinbase filed its documents to say that it was going to list, it said in black and white, look, we rely on a small number of very large customers. Our chief exec has got a lot of other ventures on the go that might distract him. And my personal favorite, it said, our employees are accustomed to working at tech companies, which generally do not maintain the same compliance customs and rules as financial services firms. And the market reaction to this when it did list was just shut up and take my money. So this this cryptocurrency exchange was valued at $76 billion at the debut. The CEO has been made a multi-billionaire just instantly. Um, So for the true believers in crypto, and that's what a lot of crypto valuations come down to, is it's just an article of faith. Dubai has become the first major city to sign a deal with an autonomous taxi maker. The Gulf City has ordered up to 4,000 vehicles from Cruise, that's General Motors' driverless car group. The goal is to deploy the cars in two years. The FT's Patrick McGee reports on driverless cars for the FT, and I asked him, why Dubai? It definitely is a case of Dubai came to Cruise. It wasn't a matter of Cruise, you know, executives sitting around a round table in San Francisco thinking, where should we take this internationally? and then settling on Dubai. It was more that Dubai has what they call Vision 2030. They want to be a leader in air taxis, in 3D printing, you know, host of futuristic technologies. And one goal for autonomy is to have 25% of all transport be autonomous by 2030. So this seems pretty ambitious. Is this goal doable, though, Patrick? Well, it's funny that you call it ambitious, because it is ambitious in a certain sense, except that Uh, Cruz's last stated goal was to have a driverless service in San Francisco in the summer of 2019. And when they postponed it, I found more significant than the postponement was the fact that there was no new date. So oddly enough, we still don't actually have a date for when Cruz will have a driverless service in San Francisco or anywhere in America. Yet we do now have one for Dubai and it's 2023. Now, Patrick, when you and I usually talk about autonomous vehicles, there's a fair bit of skepticism in this topic, right? Like, when are they going to come out? When is it going to be widely usable by the public? How are you leaning now regarding the future of autonomous vehicles, given these recent developments? In just the last few months, we've actually seen a number of positive developments that sort of tell you that autonomy may actually happen. You know, Waymo has now had a driverless service up and running in Phoenix, uh, for what, six months now or so? And I don't think there's been any sizable accidents. Too Simple, the autonomous trucking company backed by Volkswagen and UPS went public on Thursday. That's actually the first autonomous technology company to go public. Neuro, uh, another autonomy startup, uh, started delivering pizzas in Houston. 
Cruise is now worth $30 billion, as is Waymo. So, you know, however uh, cynical journalists might be in terms of, um, you know, seeing a lot of bad news over and over and postponements and things like that, you know, investors are still piling money into this sector and just seems like while nothing's happening on the original time scale, the goals have really just been postponed, not so much, you know, tweaked in any major way. Patrick McGee covers autonomous vehicles for the FT. He's based in San Francisco. Driverless taxis aren't the only futuristic transport technology coming down the road, or maybe blowing in the wind might be a better way to put it. Investors are pouring money into urban air mobility, otherwise known as flying taxis. Startups with names like Joby and Lilium are raking in investor funds. Legacy car companies are also jumping in. The CEO of General Motors, which we just mentioned has signed the driverless taxi deal with Dubai, introduced the idea of a flying Cadillac earlier this year. This is a vertical takeoff and landing drone that could hop between city rooftops. As with driverless cars, it's unclear when urban air mobility might go mainstream. Companies still need to figure out the logistics when it comes to technology, commercial viability, and social acceptability. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back next week for the latest business news. The FT News Briefing is produced by Fiona Simon and me, Mark Filipino. Our editor is Jess Smith. We had help from Gavin Coleman and Michael Bruning. Our theme song is by Metaphor Music. Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. With good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation... Partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.